When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger. Billy Muzio is not with us today, but I am joined by Ryan Reynolds. Not that Ryan Reynolds, but the important <laughs> Ryan Reynolds for what we're trying to do. I would guess that the other Ryan Reynolds does not know ball like this Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan is the Associate Director of Fantasy and Betting at the 33rd team. Uh, we're This is the first of a few... 33rd team player profiler crossover shows that we're going to do over the next month. I had the opportunity to sit down with Josh Larkey and Ryan on the 33rd team this week. It was awesome. I highly recommend you checking it out. We're going to load it on a player profiler YouTube a little later this week. Um, But Ryan is uh, the first guest we have on here. And I'm really excited about it because it's week eight. This is like win time. Before you know it, October is going to be over and we're going to be staring at the fantasy playoffs coming up. So like we got through by Mageddon, but now we got to we got to really grind out these W's. This week is is difficult. There's no edge to be gained by, you know, your opponent has somebody on a bye. This is every single team playing. Teams teams are what they are at this point and it's time for us to grind out some wins. So welcome to the show, Ryan. How are you doing today? Pleasure to be to be with you again in two days in a row, Theo. And you yes. know, looking forward to looking forward to talking some shop. And yeah, if I, if I have one thing over the the Deadpool actor, it is football knowledge, pal. A hundred a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He doesn't know ball, you know, right? You know, like the guy knows a little soccer at this point, but football wise, you know, we don't. We, we, I'm going to go ahead on, on that limb. Not a great fantasy player, but Ryan, you know, one thing that's really cool about you, you know, you're you've churned out like really really high quality content for years now. I first learned of you when you were writing the waiver wire column at Establish the Run. Um, a big hat tip to all waiver wire writers. I had John Daigle on recently. He does that for four for four. I mentioned you on that show. Um, that's like a labor of love. I do it every single week. So big hat tip for your quality work with that. But you also like you grind film. Like, and when I say grind film, like I'll watch when I need to. And I'll, you know, I'll tell you how my Sundays go a lot of, like a lot of content creators, I'll, I'll watch red zone. And then if there's games that I need to like review, I'll go and watch the condensed version. And maybe I'll watch like half of them by the time we get to like Thursday, maybe three quarters on like a weird week. Um, but again, I'm watching like that 25 minute, 30 minute version. Um, you're, you're a little different. You've been doing this for, for a while. 
you got a streak going back to 2014. Josh Larkey was talking about. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, Ryan? Yeah, I've uh, as Josh says, I've watched every snap of every NFL game since 2014, and I'm still around to tell about it. At least so far, so far, so good. So how how my week goes from from that perspective, Theo, is on Sunday I go to a friend's house that has multi TVs. I can get three games in where I can pay attention to all of them enough at each slate. So take that off my plate. Then I wake up early Monday, watch the condensed version in preparation for mine and Josh's preview show at four o'clock on Monday. Monday's a pretty labor intensive day, Theo. And then during the week, I go back and watch individual plays. Like for instance, I told you yesterday for Gardner Minshew, I went back and watched all of his passing attempts through true media. So, you know, and then in the off season, I, I actually watch film on every team. So that's, that's my process throughout the year. Yeah, so I'll, I'll also try to go back and, and watch them during the during the offseason. I think that's like a really cool thing where, you know, nowadays I can just click on a button and I can watch a, a condensed game. If I really want to watch like a bunch of Dallas Cowboys in the offseason, I could potentially watch eight games in a pretty short amount of time, like a half a day. But back in the day, you didn't not even back in the day, like we're talking about like 2014 when you started doing this, how was your process? like back then how did this come about well i have to go back a little bit further than 2014 to talk about how this came about my first big hit in sports speculation is how i frame it was through sports cards aaron Rodgers' rookie cards you know while he was sitting behind brett Favre, just kept buying him and buying him and buying him that my first car bought my first car with my own money through that venture i made around 30 grand in there i thought i was good before then but at that moment i was like you know what i got something here so i just gradually grinded you know Entered fantasy more heavily, entered winter, entered winter pools more heavily, started betting against the spread more consistently, and you know, gradually, 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 you know, now I have a six-figure bankroll. But 2014 is when I started taking it very seriously, and and you know, told you yesterday, I, I would DVR games and fast forward them. I'd get, I'd do three a night during the week, and you know, it's it was a little, you know, a little tough on the personal life sometimes, Theo. You know, it's hard hard to explain to the lady friend like, hey, I'm going to watch football five days in a row, and then I'm going to go out all Sunday and watch it. So. But it's much easier now, as as you know. Yeah, technology definitely uh, definitely helps us out with that. The grind is the grind is still the grind, but the grind's a little bit easier. What, what I mean, I I can't even imagine what people were doing twenty five years ago. Right. Um, but you know, the hat tipped all your hard work, and you know, you and and Josh Larkey and a number of you, you got some sharp people over at Thirty Third Team. Ian Miller does a great job on the Dynasty side. Jordan Vanek does a great so- job on the DFS side, and I'm sure I'm missing a number of people off the top of my head. Uh, shout out to Wheeler. Uh, we know yeah. Wheeler for a while, but you put a lot of work into it, as does Josh, on your rankings. Your rankings are free over at the 33rd team. Check out Josh's rankings. I believe he dropped them already for this week. But you guys put a lot of process into, like we do at Player Profiler, into your ADP targets, into your rankings. Like it's labor intensive, and you, you know, you flag plant guys. But there's always surprises. Right now, you have seven weeks of sample size into the NFL season. Besides Puka Nakua, who's the biggest positive surprise when you look at, at how fantasy has played out? That's a good question, Theo. There's a few of them that come to mind. but Give a, give a ha- few if you want. I have to go with Zach Moss on the top of the list. Like this that. guy's second in the league in rushing yards right now. I, if you would have told me that at this point in the season, Theo, that he'd be second in the league in rushing yards, I probably would have never spoken to you again before the season. That's it's completely insane. He's looked fast. He's looked explosive. 
He's forced the Colts to play him and Jonathan Taylor in a split currently. Again, that's, you know, shocking, and they have to do it so far. Two years ago, you know, Taylor was the offense runner-up in the Offensive Player of the Year race. And the only reason he didn't win is because Cooper Cup had a historic wide receiver season. So I my big question there to you, Theo, too, is where was this in Buffalo? Because if Zach Moss was this guy in Buffalo, he never would have left. I'll tell you where it was in Buffalo, and we're going to talk about him a little later on the show, but Devin Singletary has a way of making NFL head coaches play him no matter yeah. who's around him. You know, we, we're going to talk about Devin Singletary in a Houston Texans perspective, but he held back Zach Moss and he held back James Cook. And I think if we lined up all three players on a field and just, you know, ran them through drills and evaluated them as athletes, we would probably pick Devin Singletary dead last. But there's yeah. something about what he does to a locker room. Like, we don't even know. We're not there, but he certainly earns his earns his way onto a football field. Uh, you saw it, you know, before the bye, and we're going to talk about that Texan situation. Now, how about you know, you and Josh, you go through and and you pick your flag plant guys or guys you just really like at, at ADP. Who's kind of your biggest disappointment so far in the season? I'm a high volume best ball player. You know, I draft 500 best ball teams, so this is driven by that mostly. I have to say, Daniel Jones. You know. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, yeah, I mean, two touchdown passes so far, six interceptions. That's actually very surprising. Outside of the second half against Arizona, I think it was in week two or three. I mean, the Giants' offense has been non-functional. Part of that's because of the offensive line injuries. Daniel Jones' biggest problem has always been pressure management. I caught that in his game against Virginia when he was against Duke. I'm aware of that, but I was not expecting him to be basically unplayable through this tough schedule stretch. You know, now he's hurt. You know, that's not part of what I'm saying here, but. Maybe in the second half, things look a little brighter, but yeah, man, I mean, one score that counts in best ball to this point was not what I was expecting out of Daniel Jones. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing, and he also cost you from, like, he was in that, like, middle tier, the high-end QB2, low-end QB1 tier, where you could have just picked a quarterback earlier and gone with Tua Tungavailoa, right. or you could have waited and end up ended up in, like, the kind of gross tier that's all hit. The Brock Purdy, Sam Howell, Jordan Love tier has all really, really hit. So Daniel Jones was a grenade on both sides. You rarely see a double grenade. So big hat tip to Daniel Jones for, for that. And I actually had a New York Giants stack team I drafted in high stakes that I was like really excited about. I got Saquon Barkley to fall to me, got him in the second. Darren Waller fell to a great point. This was tight end premium. And then I, I managed to grab Daniel Jones. And I was like, look at my Giants stack. It's so sneaky. And I, I, you know, you could tear that team up, you know, throw it into a volcano. It's got no shot. So Daniel Jones was definitely a great answer there, Ryan. Um, we're going to get into a number of these start sits, but why don't we start out with one that features Daniel Jones? Shout out to FF Blankenberg in the chat. Sam Howell, Gardner Minshew, Danny Dimes, or Desmond Ritter. Uh, this is interesting. Sam Howell goes up against Philadelphia. He had a great stat line against Philly earlier in the year. Does any do any of these names stand out for you, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this out loud, but I think I would actually go with Ritter against the Titans, especially without Kevin Bayard this week. It, it would be between him or Howell for me, though. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to ride the hot hand. That game seems like it's going to have points scored. I also like the fact that Philly's coming off of the huge win against Miami. Potential for an emotional letdown. Yeah, Washington like was horrendous against New York. 
Uh, now they have a chance to kind of bounce back a little bit. So I'm 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 going to go with Sam Howell in that one. But we're going to get into a bunch more of your start sick questions. We're going to talk a lot about a number of situations uh, after we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you... Pick up to eight. That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Ryan Reynolds of the 33rd team. Let's just dive right into it. Last season, we had CeeDee Lamb absolutely smash. CeeDee Lamb starts off the year a little bit slowly and then goes on an absolute tear, finishes the season as wide receiver five overall. This season, he's wide receiver 24. Dallas, of course, was on a bye week this past week, but there's been a lot of like very disappointing trends with CeeDee Lamb's usage. The air yards are down. The overall targets are down. Do you see a bounce back similar to last season's production, or do we all need to like adjust our, our, adjust like our ideas about how CeeDee Lamb is, is in our fantasy lineups? I think it's, I think it's going to be between the last two years. You know, I think he had 1,100 yards off the top of my head in 2021, and last year was 1,350. Touchdowns have been a problem this year. He only has one. So I think he's probably going to be end up falling in the middle between the two there, primarily because the play calling is different. You know, it's not really a – I don't have any issues with CeeDee Lamb as a player, but from Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, there's been there's been negative production to this point pretty much across the board for Dallas on offense. Yeah, it's it's definitely disappointing. I think a lot of blame is on like losing losing the Kellen Moore side, um, but it's tilting because people took CD Lamb very early on in their drafts, and now he's kind of fallen into like this purgatory tier that's not like really driving your fantasy team uh, to what you expected. I do think he's still got a lot of trade value insulation. 
right now, if you're in a trading league, would you send CD Lamb for Puka Nakua? No. Okay. Would you send CD Lamb for DJ Moore? No. Amon Ross St. Brown, 100%. Yeah. Would I, if I'm getting Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah, 100, 100, 110% for you. Yeah. So there you go. So you still have like, I feel like Nakua is like a litmus test for him because he's red hot and you're yeah. still on the CD Lamb side. So you're bullish on him throughout the second half of the season. Um, by definition with, with that one a little bit, I think he kind of, kind of answered that one. I do think that we'll see a little bit of a, like Los Angeles this week, this could be a potential high scoring game. And I think you could see like a little bit of a squeaky wheel gets the grease. How about Tony Pollard? Pollard has not been bad. He's just been disappointing. He's right now, uh, he's running back 17 on the season. Excuse me. He's, I believe he's actually running back 13. I misspoke. But he's running back 13 on the season. He's had a couple of decent games, a couple of games where he's been somewhat invisible. What are your thoughts on Pollard? Looks maybe a little less explosive to me this season than last. Are you seeing that when you're watching film? Yeah, I mean, he had a great, great run last year. I think it was four or five games we just put up monster production. But he's one of those guys. Saquon Barkley's another one, one of these guys, too. They're great athletes, fluid, fast players. But when they get a little nicked up, they come back to the field a little bit in that regard. And so far, yeah, I, I do think so. Hopefully he'll bounce back after the bye this week. I expect that he will. But, I mean, I do think for him, both with Lam- him and Lamb, I think they're going to go up from where they are, just not hit the heights that we were expecting entering the year. Take another one from the chat. David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs rest of season? Montgomery, of course, is dealing with an injury here. Jacobs has had two decent games recently, but overall the other, the rest, like Josh Jacobs has a very weird split. I believe he's got two top six finishes. And then after that, like he's running back 23 and below for his other weekly finishes. Your thoughts on Montgomery versus Jacobs? I think I'd actually leave Montgomery just because I like the environment better. Lines of a premium offensive line. The Raiders, I think, could be a bit of a sinking ship going from here. Tough schedule coming up. So I think I actually lean Montgomery over Jacobs. So we alluded to in the the when we were first talking uh, about Devin Singletary. Um, you know, you had discussed Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, I think, was what was holding him back. We saw like a huge usage change in Houston's game in week six. Of course, Houston was on a bye week last week, so a lot of things can change. But we had Devin Singletary getting more work than Damian Pierce. He had the only running back targets in the game, and he actually was like one less carry than Damian Pierce. So he's getting the higher value touches and somewhat of a split in the rushing work. Damian Pierce has been very disappointing this year in his production, Devin Singletary has been a lot more productive. Now they have a bye week. Do you see a changing of the guard in the Houston Texans backfield? And do you want any of these guys in your lineup this week? Um, I think Damian Pierce is in a good spot this week because the Panthers run defense has been terrible, but let, let me answer this question from this direction, Theo. I think we're going to look at a pre-CMC Kyle Shanahan backfield deployment here. D'Amico Ryans comes from San Francisco. We also saw it in Miami last year with Wilson and Mostert. They're kind, they were kind of a ride-the-hot-hand group. Both guys see both guys see notable volume 
in each game. But, you know, if like like last week, Singletary had the hot hand. They gave him a bit of a usage spike. I do think a, a reason for Pierce's production slide is the tight Texans offensive line injuries o- 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 early in the season. So I think that could improve. But I think Singletary's passing game work is going to stick a little bit. But in terms of like who gets the volume in the running game, I think that's going to depend on, you know, who's playing well that game where Pierce probably still gets more than Singletary on average more times than not. I would I would argue, I would just say that you make a great point. Carolina has just been absolutely shredded by running backs this year. It's like an absurd number of of top 24 weeks that they've given up. I believe they lead the NFL in in RB2 finishes or better conceded like mo- more than 7. They've had multiple weeks where two guys have gotten into the the top 24 against them. So you want to kind of cram people in their lineup. I would just say like Damian Pierce, this coaching staff has no deference towards him. They sure. got brought in Devin Singletary. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm been kind of aggressively trying to get Singletary when he was available on the waiver wire, um, added him a couple more places, uh, you know, last night where he slipped through the cracks because of bye week. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I do think Damian Pierce, if you take away like any sort of receiving work, his ceiling is so capped. So it gets really, yeah. really, uh, really, really kind of disappointing. How about the wide receivers in Houston? Tank Dell returns this week. Um, and Nico Collins has just been terrific. How do you see this playing out? They've been very pass ha- happy. Josh Larkey uh, and and you and me as well. We discussed how how you know bullish we are on C.J. Stroud and how the passing game has been working in Houston. Are these guys you're looking to get into your lineups? Yeah, I think Nico Collins is a guy you start every week at this point until he you know until he hurts you. I, I think that's where we're at. Um, like we said yesterday, well, like we talked about yesterday, C.J. Stroud's been a historically efficient rookie quarterback through this point of the year. Um, this doesn't happen very long. I was expecting this towards the end of the year, so to to doubt it at this point would be you know we're, we're this is probably where we're at with 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 Stroud with Tank Dell. I think he's a spike week player if he runs an out and up. And catches a 50-yard touchdown, he's he's going to be a valuable player. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to compare him to Jamison Williams in that regard because Jamison Williams has been extremely frustrating since whenever he's on the field. But I do think Tank Dell's fantasy production is going to be more volatile week to week than Nico Collins by a considerable margin. Here's a fun start sit in the chat from Bray Tige. Start one PPR, Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad White, Nico Collins. Or Garrett Wilson, pretty difficult one. It is tough. I actually think I'd lean Nico Collins this week, and I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I think it's. I think you go with one of the one of the wide receivers. Yeah, um, I think Nico and Garrett Wilson are both like low end wide receiver twos this week. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Garrett Wilson. You gotta you gotta play Garrett Wilson in the Battle of New York. My man Fair. Garrett Wilson was at the Knicks game the other night. <laughs> And the Knicks crowd went nuts for Garrett Wilson. Yeah, so I think he's going to give the people what they want. Um, <laughs> and we're going to go with the hometown spike week game. That'll be a fun game for, for the Jets and Giants. Definitely a very, very tilting one. Uh, let's keep this going. We, we'll, stay, we'll stay at the running back position. We've seen unbelievable production from Travis Etienne. He has six touchdowns over his last three games. Jacksonville's won all three of them. They sweep London. Uh, and then they win again in a difficult game against the New Orleans Saints, which has been a tough defense. And Jacksonville really had their number. Your thoughts on ETN moving forward? 
is this a sort of obviously we can't depend on two touchdowns a game but is he like a top five running back for you rest of the season I think he's at least close to that. I know Josh was higher than consensus on him entering the season, and that's aged pretty well to this point. But one thing that I'll point out from from watching film this year is Calvin Ridley caught like a 15-yard pass earlier in the year, and Travis Etienne came out of nowhere to get ahead of him to block, where it's like, oh, my God, like this is this is wow speed. And we've seen it this year, explosive player. What's you know, like you said, I don't think the touchdowns are going to stick to, especially to a game that's ridiculous. But what I find encouraging is that his passing game role has increased by about 50% so far this season. So, yeah, I think he's at least a fringe top five back going forward. Yeah. I mean, he's got 60 reception potential based on the early usage, which is just wild. And I think when we go and look back at his career, we're going to say, why on earth did they not use him as a receiver his first year? Um, and, I get it. It's kind of like a de facto rookie year. Maybe they didn't trust him in the passing game, but he was so dynamic at Clemson. He has the connection to Trevor Lawrence and they didn't even use that part of his game. So a little self-scouting by Doug Peterson this offseason. It's kind of like the dream usage for ETN. So I- I'm there. I'm ETN's a top five uh, running back um, rest of the season in redraft. And I think he's a top five running back in dynasty potentially as well. Um, so it's a very, very exciting times. Let's stay with the New York Jets. We just talked about Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall has been exceptional two weeks in a row. Now they have the big week against the Giants. Jets coming off the bye week. We saw Brees Hall utilization as a receiver go way up the most recent game. He was kind of like, you know, bogged down on the ground, but he catches five passes, was second on the Jets in targets, everything's kind of like pointing up for Brees Hall. Can we trust him to just smash here? Like, what's your expectation? Back-to-back 20-point PPR weeks. You know, I love him as a player. I think he would have ran away with the rookie, the offensive rookie of the year last year if he didn't get hurt. You know, Dalvin Cook is no longer Dalvin Cook, too. So I, as long as it's not injury-related for Hall, I think we can expect a, a growing, increasing ro- role as we progress here. You know, next three weeks, Giants, Chargers, Vegas, all pretty good matchups for a running back. Jets offensive line's a little concerning, but you know, so is having Zach Wilson as your quarterback actually too. But I like him and I'm trying to acquire him whenever I can get him cheap. Okay, we're gonna help out Aaron Waldo, friend of the show, in the chat. Aaron has made the wrong decision every single week on this one. You gotta love starts like the problem with start sits, Ryan, when you have like these deep, deep rosters, is you gotta yeah. pull your hair out every single week on these. And Aaron's got some good choices here. He's got to pick four, okay? He's got to pick four of these ones. A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Garrett Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, Adam Thielen, and Puka Nakua. Good God, Aaron. This is a loaded wide receiver room, but you've got to bench three of them right now. So right now, let's why don't we why don't we pick our let's pick our our favorite one here. A.J. Brown automatic. Yeah. Let's keep it going here. Puka Nakua automatic at this point. Yeah. How can we not uh, start Brandon Ayuk when Debo Samuel yeah. is out, though? Yeah, yeah. Okay, agreed. so I'm at three. I'm at three right yeah. now. Yeah. We're we're are we going to bench DJ Moore this week? Yeah, it's brutal. If uh, Justin Fields was the quarterback this week, I would not bench DJ Moore. Since it's going to be Tyson Badgen, I I think I'm still going to lean more. But I I actually agree with you. I do think Garrett Wilson's going to have a good game this week. So the decisions between those two, but I think. How can we yeah. bench Thielen, Ryan? I know it's tough. It's tough. I hear you. Um, 
I think that's the worst matchup of the of the group, him versus the Texans defense. So yeah, again, I don't I don't have great conviction with it, but I think Moore probably has the highest ceiling, especially since the Bears probably play from behind against the Chargers. So you hear that, Aaron, but Aaron, this is like what we call a champagne problem. And I think you're actually flexing your roster. Yeah. You're you're not a, you're not in a bind. You're not in a bind. Yeah. And he wants to Aaron, congratulations on all your money. It's an FFPC <laughs> team, too. Shout out oh, to nice. Harry Snowman in the chat. Shout out to Kim Smith in the chat. Uh, he's uh, Kim is agreeing with all of your calls, Ryan. So you got you got to love that. Um, yeah. Let's keep this going. Brees Hall, we just discussed. And that's a backfield which is extremely clear. Just start your Brees Hall. But one backfield that's, I don't want to say it's up in the air because I think Darrell Henderson's earned the role. But this Rams backfield without Kyron Williams is interesting. Last week, we saw Darrell Henderson just play about 57, 60% of the snaps. He had 17 rushing attempts and he falls in the end zone. He sees a little bit of work uh, out of the backfield as a receiver, not much. You also have Royce Freeman, who looked pretty explosive on a couple of runs. And I don't mean to say it's Royce Freeman, but it's Royce Freeman. So yeah. where are you at with this Rams backfield this week? And and one distinction here, Ryan, maybe you could share this, because I talked about Darrell Henderson on my waiver wire show, and there's a couple of people shot back and was like, didn't you see he was demoted? They put him back on the practice squad. Maybe you could kind of define the rule because that shouldn't matter at all. Like NFL teams have three times to keep putting a guy in a practice squad and pulling him up. So that's just a contractual thing, correct? I would think so, yeah. It's a little weird. I don't remember a, a, a lot of instances where a running back basically gets a borderline bell cow roll and then goes to the practice squad. But yeah, I do think I do think it's a contractual issue. Um just in general, I, a, a big part of football is doing your job. Um, so Henderson's the leader in that area, this backfield, especially against a team like Dallas that is a premium pass rush. He can block. I know no one really wants to hear that. That's not a very sexy thing to lean on here. But, you know, especially when you have a veteran pocket passer like Matthew Stafford that's had injury problems, you don't want to put a, put a rookie back there that you can't count on. They can count on Henderson the most. And like you said with Freeman, I've always been a Royce Freeman guy, but you know, we're, we're, we're in what, like year six now for Royce Freeman, maybe even more than that. Had a lot of miles on him in college. So he's also probably the second most reliable runner in this, in this group. And then if you're in a super deep league and you're looking long-term, maybe miles Gaskin for free. And I'm talking super deep, but I think it's Henderson this week because of the matchup, especially. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, you mentioned the pass blocking, but Dallas seems like a game where you could see Henderson being utilized a little bit more as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Maybe he catches three passes. I think he's going to be an RB2 again this week, um, just based on potential for the Rams having to keep up. And uh, he's def definitely the most polished guy in the backfield. Royce Freeman, uh, you know, that was a guy that a lot of us liked. And then he got Philip Lindsay his uh, his yeah. rookie season. That was a, that sure was a tough one. Let's take a, a question in the chat. This is from uh, Nicolo Sorrentino, Roshan Johnson, Amari DiMercato, Jackson Smith and Jigba, or Jaden Reed. And I'm guessing the Jaden Reed one is predicated on Christian Watson being limited or missing. So let's say Christian Watson misses. Which way would you go with these four guys? DiMercato, weird usage where last week it was actually really, really good. The week before, less than three PP, less than four PPR points. Roshan Johnson had two weeks out with a concussion, um, but he's back this week. 
Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's trending up, found the end zone last week, or Jaden Reed without Christian Watson. Which way are you going on this one, Ryan? Yeah, I think with me, actually, based on the matchup, too, if Whit Watson's out, I think I'd actually lean Reed. I don't want any part of DiMarcado against the Ravens, really. Uh, Roshan Johnson, again, I want to see it first, especially since Dante Foreman's been playing well. I want to see it first before I stick him in there. It's it's thin, and again, if JSN, say if Metcalf misses, JSN rises to the top of this list, but I think I lean Jaden Reed. Don't have a ton of conviction on it, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I think I might go JSN. I think JSN's just trending yeah. up a little bit. I think he could find the end zone. Um, I don't know how the target dis- dispersal will go in Green Bay if Christian Watson misses. There's also a chance that offense just takes a, a big hit. Uh, you know, Luke Musgrave's banged up. Aaron Jones is not back to to normal. Uh, right. You saw more AJ Dillon last week, so I think that offense is trending down. I think I'm going. I think I'm going JSN on that. You know, anybody who watches the show knows. I have a, a bet with Billy Muzio from before the season, $350, Ryan, uh, on JSN finishing as a wide receiver, 36 or better. So I need like him to smash every single week, or <laughs> I'm, I'm probably already dead in the water, but I have a couple of outs here. So we're looking for JSN to score literally every single week. Shout out to Billy Muzio. Um, we talked about the Rams backfield. Let's stick with this Chicago backfield because – Deonta Foreman was just sensational last week. He has two rushing touchdowns, also has a receiving touchdown. He has a 30-plus point PPR week. He actually had a 30-point PPR week last year as well. He's sort of one of these guys where if if somewhere in the multiverse, Deonta Foreman had like a career where he made 10 Pro Bowls, like eight Pro Bowls. Like he was like that sort of talent gets the ACL injury as a very young player, and now he's back. Every time he gets an opportunity, he puts up fantasy points. And then you have Roshan Johnson, who fourth-round pick, we're very high on him at player profiler. He's more of a kind of a a well-rounded two-way back with receiving ability and size. Now you kind of have these guys. You have the Tyson Badgett factor. Where are we at here? Are you putting Deonta Foreman back in your lineup? Are you potentially using a Roshan Johnson? Are you worried about an ugly split? The the matchup's great though. It's it's uh the Los Angeles Chargers, even with Badgen, you got to expect that Chicago moves the ball well. One of the things that's crazy about Foreman is I think he had five targets last week and he had nine last season and the whole season. He had nine hundred yards rushing, but he had nine targets. So I I think Roshan Johnson likely cuts into that. I'm scared of the ugly backfield split, but you know, Evans is split with Foreman to a degree. He had a pretty sizable workload, but you know, in general, Theo Foreman's kind of the perfect Chicago bears running back, big physical grinder back, especially against a team like the Chargers. So this week, Foreman for me, long-term, I'd rather stick with Roshan though. You're a bears guy, Ryan. No, I, I just, I appreciate I'm a defense guy, Theo. I'm a giants fan. Actually, it's been a tough decade for us, but I do appreciate Chicago's style of football defensive minded. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm gonna put uh, Foreman back in a couple of flexes um, and a couple spots. I might have to use him as an RB two. I just think it at at some point it's Tyson Badgett. You've got to protect him. Ride the hot hand. I think that Foreman getting 15 touches is something that I could see. Uh, even if Roshan comes back and and gets gets work, I think Foreman could fall into the end zone again as well. And he just looked very good last week. Um, they want to protect this young quarterback. Hey, you know, Tyson Badgett, he won last week his first start. So let's see if they can't they can't get Brandon Staley out of there 
with uh with a loss to Tyson Badgett. That would be a interesting way for him to go. Uh, let's take it right back to the take it back to the chat real quick. Uh, I saw one one or two other good ones. Let me pull up this one. Christian Watson or Deontay Johnson in half point PPR. This is assuming Christian Watson plays or Deontay Johnson, who finished tied with George Pickens in targets this past week, his first week back. Um, Actually, excuse me, was out targeted, had the same amount of catches, but like he looked all right. He looked healthy. And then Christian Watson, again, who's, you know, banged up another knee knee problem for me. I'm going to go Deontay Johnson in this one. That Jacksonville secondary has been getting shredded all season long. I think that they're like bottom three in yards conceded, gave up 300 passing yards to Derek Carr last week. Um, where are you at on this one if Christian Watson plays? Same thing. I agree across the board with Deontay Johnson. Plus, I think you have a little bit more injury safety with him right now. Where, you know, I don't think you can automatically cross off Watson because that's kind of a sneaky, interesting matchup itself. But I would I, I would play Johnson with my own team, even if there Watson plays. Let's stick around with, with Pittsburgh here. I'm a huge George Pickens guy. Uh, George Pickens was a guy in the offseason that Billy and I were were on. Um, we were not one of the, you know, he can't separate guys. I've been on Pickens in Dynasty for a while. And in redraft this year, I was able to get him at an affordable price, a lot of spots. He's looked great. 22 years old. He's now had multiple 100-yard-plus games, three of them on the season. Last year, he only had one game where he went over 100 yards receiving. Uh, he looks very much an alpha. He won the game for them, essentially won the game for them against the Ravens. Their rival uh, was fantastic, scored the game-winning touchdown, and just looked every bit the part. Now you have Deontay Johnson back in the mix. How are we treating George Pickens? And we already touched on Deontay, but are you on George Pickens continuing his strong play? Do we start seeing him level off a little bit at, with a kind of a 50-50 you know, split in terms of which wide receiver pops, which doesn't? And they're both somewhat limited by the passing volume and Kenny Pickett. Your thoughts on George Pickens uh, you know, through seven games of the season? Yeah, I like him as a player too. Like you just mentioned, the volatility of the offense is my biggest concern with everyone related to the Steelers. Um, I, I think my answer is closer to leveling off because – Pickens is built up Pickens hundred yard games are built off big plays, chunk plays, and that's kind of his game, you know. So I think he's gonna have some big spike weeks. I think he's gonna have some weeks where he has four catches for 20 yards. I think that's kind of what's gonna happen there, in part because of Kenny Pitt, the volatility in Kenny Pickett's offense. We have a little bit of a of a pushback here on our Brandon Ayuk recommendation. Shout out to Isaac in the chat. He would not start Brandon Ayuk with Sam Darnold behind center. I don't think the offense is going to look that different with with Sam Darnold behind center. I don't think he's going to be terrible for a one one week sample size. And Sam Darnold is able to push the ball downfield. That's never been like the the worst part of his game. Where are you at on how you expect Sam Darnold to to look? Is he a guy that's like a a must start in super flex for you this week against Cincinnati, or are you a little nervous about how Darnold's going to look? No, I think he'd probably be a must start in the overwhelming majority of situations in Superflex. Uh, you know, I think they're going to roll him out early, try to get him some manufactured completions. You know, and, and in that particular discussion we had, I think one of the options was Garrett Wilson. I'm more confident with Sam Darnold with Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco than I am with what Garrett with Zach Wilson can do to Garrett Wilson. So 
I actually think there's a little more stability in San Francisco, especially against the Bengals who don't have a really disruptive pass rush. Yeah, I think he's going to look fine. I think that yeah. this is like a, you know, betting against a one-week fill-in for Shanahan, potentially a two-week fill-in uh, with yeah. the concussion-like symptoms. I'm 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 fine with with Darnold. Like, there's worse quarterbacks out there than Sam Darnold uh, that we've seen this season. I think a number of these teams wouldn't mind having a little bit of Sam Darnold. Uh, shout out to Permar in the chat. He's concerned about Rashad White's pl- quality of play this year. It hasn't been great. White did have a few receptions last week, which was nice to see, but he's a guy that's been sort of disappointing. We had Jared Smola right here on First Class Fantasy last week, and we were, Billy and I, along with Jared, our two sites were bullish on Rashad White this past offseason. It's been very disappointing. The usage is there. It's just the quality of play. How concerned are you about Rashad White? And do you see Chase Edmonds getting an opportunity now that he's back from the injured reserve this is a great topic for me theo because as a film guy that also pays attention to data i, I do believe in data i never really liked rashad white as a player don't really think he's a dis- difference maker but you know we all expected his volume to be big and it has been you know so the, the reality of the situation in tampa is their offensive line has a bunch of liabilities baker mayfield's not a guy who can carry an offense nfl offense every week so i don't want to put it all on rashid white's you know floor so to speak but I don't think he's a difference maker. That said, do I think Chase Edmonds is going to come in and take a big part of the workload? Maybe he supplements him a little bit, but I don't, I don't, you know. And they are competitive, so maybe, maybe they dip their toe in the the trade market a little bit. But I still think Rashad White's looking at a pretty big workload going forward. Yeah, you know, I the Chase Edmonds thing was a little bit funny where I kind of discounted him completely. Jim Coventry is yeah. pounding the table for him. Uh, over at Rotowire, I think Jim's very, very uh, smart. And it's kind of like when you think about it, it's if you take away the receiving work for Rashad, from Rashad White or you at least half it, that's really going to crush him. And that yeah. makes him like a low-end RB3. So I, I'm a little nervous about Chase Edmonds' return. I think that if I just if you see Chase Edmonds you know, catch three balls this week, then you got to really, really kind of pivot off of, of Rashad White. If Chase Edmonds doesn't see the work in the receiving game, but maybe they give him like two or three carries. That's an ideal outcome. So that's, that's really what I'm looking at. We have a couple of start sits that uh, feature Rashad white. Here's one. This is in PPR Rashad white, Deonta Foreman or Deontay Johnson this week. I'm going to go Deontay Johnson against Jacksonville. Um, Monday night football in Pittsburgh. It just kind of screams like a game where Deontay could have a decent game. Whereas Foreman, I'm worried about the split. Rashad White, I'm worried about the quality of play. Where are you at, Ryan? I, I'd play Foreman and Johnson. I, I Like you said, I, I do think there's some chance that Chase Edmonds steals a few targets, which, like you said, basically torpedoes Rashad White's workload on the short week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Foreman and Johnson. Shout out to Permar in the chat saying to go ahead and pick up Chris Rodriguez now. I Permar, I had Chris Rodriguez in my waiver wire column. I'm I'm all about that Chris Rodriguez life for for $1 bids. I got him a couple spots. Um, Let's talk about that. Last week, your New York Giants beat the Washington Commanders. And what was interesting was for the second week in a row, we see Chris Rodriguez in the mix at running back. This has been a backfield where we have assumed somewhat of a split. Brian Robinson's been the better player most of the season with Antonio Gibson having his moments. Now you inject the seventh-round rookie out of the University of Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez. 
this was an Eric Bieniemy guy. Um, you know, people who watch First Class Fantasy and press coverage, you know, Chris Rodriguez was a guy that was like a couple of analysts really loved him this summer. Scott Barrett uh, of Fantasy Points, you know, he talked about Rodriguez as one of his sleepers this year. Now we're starting to see it. Does this scare you with Brian Robinson? Does this just become a three-man split? Rodriguez, he couldn't get targets in this backfield, could he, Ryan? Like, where are we at on Chris Rodriguez and the Washington Commanders' backfield? Yeah, I think both scenarios scare me. Like, I do think a three-way split is very on the table. A couple of years ago, same kind of situation. And then the other thing is, Brian Robinson hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. So there's 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 room for someone to surge and take his job a little bit, or at least eat into it more consistently. So I am concerned. I, I am interested in getting Rodriguez for cheap if you can, but even, even still, like he's probably going to need an injury to be a guy that you can play every week. I made a dynasty trade this past week. I traded Brian Robinson in a second rounder to go get Alvin Kamara in an FFPC league. I really like that trade. I do worry about Robinson. I just think he's kind of a somewhat of a jag. And this was a Rich Rodriguez guy, or excuse me, a Ron Rivera guy. And Ron Rivera like has always like deferred to Robinson. Robinson, uh, you know, has the off the field incident. Rivera like goes and visits him in the hospital, comes back on the field, gets him back on the field playing. And then this year it's been nothing but. So when you start like having another coach's favorite in Rodriguez, it's, it's, it's tough. So I, I, I don't know what to make of this Washington backfield. It's definitely one I want to try to avoid. I like the Washington, I like Terry McLaurin and, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm going to use Sam Howell in a couple spots this weekend, but I worry about you know being able to trust any of those guys moving forward. Let's talk about the Cleveland backfield because right now we have Jerome Ford who's been playing quite well. Jerome Ford is going to miss. They're saying it's a week or two, but when you talk about high ankles, I don't really trust them. They say it's like a, a not a serious high ankle sprain. Give me a break. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but we saw Kareem Hunt get – slightly more usage. And then we see Pierre Strong, who's been a guy that Billy Muzio and I have liked for a while, uh, starting to get into the mix. You also have the factor of Deshaun Watson missing another game. So there's going to be, I think, more running back touches than usual this weekend. Your thoughts on Hunt and Pierre Strong? Are you using one of them? Could this be a split? What do you anticipate? Um. When Hunt returned a couple of weeks ago, he actually looked better than I thought. I, I assumed he was washed, to be honest. And he looked better than I thought. Again, he veteran, lot reliable veteran. When you have a guy like PJ Walker under center, or even Deshaun Watson at this point, volatility, you want to cut that down as much as possible. So I do think he's going to see a consistent role. That said, just like you guys, I like Pierre Strong too. A little overweight on him in best ball when he was in New England. Obviously, that hasn't turned out too well to this point, but explosive player, definitely a good change of pace back paired with Kareem Hunt. And the thing with the Browns is the strength of their offense is their offensive line. So them leaning on their run as often as they can, that could be a hot hand situation too. But I do think Hunt is in the driver's seat to see more consistent usage. Yeah, Hunt's a guy that I think if you have him, you have to start him. There's a couple of X factors that I think play into it. 28-year-old Kareem Hunt, who's looked good on like a per-touch basis last week, can he handle an exceptional amount of volume? And that kind of opens the door for the split backfield. There's also a chance where they want to keep Kareem Hunt kind of exactly where he is in his role, and Pierre Strong gets the Jerome Ford work. So I think there's a lot uh, a lot to see there. 
with Pierre Strong, I think a week from now, we'll have a much better idea of where he's at. And if you have Kareem Hunt, I think he's an RB2 this week um, with a chance to score. So I'm, I'm into having Kareem Hunt. I have him a couple spots. I'm going to use him somewhat with confidence. Another guy that we see kind of, oh, and let's stick with Cleveland. Are you playing Amari Cooper this week? Probably not because of the quarterback situation, unless I have to. Okay, so there you go. So we would call him a somewhat on that wide receiver three line as opposed yeah. to a low-end wide receiver two. I think that's fair. I just don't think the volume is going to be there for him. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one. Amari Cooper is a guy that's you know crushed people if they were taking him at, at ADP, was a guy we largely avoided. One wide receiver, though, that's been just a fantastic ADP hit has been Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is comfortably inside of the wide receiver two line, uh, and he's flirting with you know wide receiver one uh, numbers. How do you see him rest of season? And how do we see Devontae Adams, who's had a little bit of disappointing production the last few weeks? Yeah, this is one of those things Adam Levitan just said this recently. Like our job is to not figure out what coaches should do. It's what they sh- it's what they actually will do. I'm gonna dip my toe into the thing that we shouldn't do here. Devontae Adams should probably be traded. You know, if, if the Raiders are being honest about themselves, assessing their situation appropriately, trade him to a contender. And then that's like long term for me. That's the intrigue with Jacoby Myers. That's actually why I drafted where I why I'm a little overweight on in best ball too. And to this point, he's been a pleasant surprise from a product productivity standpoint as well. That said, Theo, the, the quarterback situation in Vegas right now is just to call it dicey is an understatement. It's it's just pathetic. I, I'm like yeah. longing for Jimmy Garoppolo to come back. <laughs> um and Michael Mayer was a guy that I was like kind of bullish on. Yeah, they they can't support you know really two pass catchers, let alone three. So it's a tough one. We're gonna take one defense. Uh, let's take uh, two questions here. Uh, shout out for to Justin uh, Santiago in the chat. Rashi Rice or Joe Mixon? <laughs> That's brutal. It's it, it kind of has to be Mixon just based on usage. But the 49ers are one of the worst you know matchups for running backs. Love Rashi Rice long-term, think he could be a potential difference maker, but I'm going to lean Mixon just based on usage. Begrudgingly, I'm going to agree with Ryan. I'm going to yeah. go with the volume on 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 Mixon, but gosh, I like Rashi Rice a lot. Um, I think he's a really fun player to have on your roster. Let's take one defense question. Matt, oh, excuse me. That's I hit the wrong one. Cleveland Browns or Miami Dolphins? And it's funny because... Two weeks ago, we would have let, looked at the Cleveland Browns and said, this is it. I have the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to start them every single week. And then out of nowhere, Minshew Magic rips them up. Um, and, you know, our guy Josh Downs rips them up as well. Uh, shout out to anybody who's been following the waiver wire column. I hope you got Josh Downs cheap weeks ago when we told you to. But Cleveland or Miami? Miami faces off against New England. And then Cleveland is on the road in Seattle. Sneaky, sneaky start sit here. Which way are you going? Yeah, it's actually a great question. Um, I'm not going to panic on, on last based off last week with the Colts game because, you know, they shut down the 49ers. They shut down Joe Barrow's Bengals. That said, I think Seattle's going to win this game. So, you know, neutral negative gain script for the Browns defense. So I think I'm actually going to go with Miami. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might go Cleveland. I think Cleveland's yeah. going to bounce back on the road in Seattle. Um, but that's it's definitely a tilting one. Uh, here's here's another one. Half point PPR. Alexander Madison or Christian Kirk? Christian Kirk all day long right here. 
uh, for me, Bryson Grimes. Where are you at, Ryan? I do four shows a week with Josh Larkey. He hates Alexander Madison, so just out of loyalty to Josh, and, you know, because I think it's the right play in general, I'm going to go Christian Kirk myself. It's kind of like how I got Billy to start loving Dalton Kincaid throughout the summer. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. When you podcast with somebody enough, their ideas start becoming your ideas in a sense. So <laughs> shout out to Josh Larkey for getting you on, on the right track there. And Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's just been so good this season. Another player who's been really, really good usage-wise um, is Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco is currently an RB1. This is a guy who, if you drafted him, hat tip to you. Congratulations. You got a potential RB1 in like the eighth round, seventh round of your draft. Pacheco, how do you see him rest of season? I think there's some upside there, Ryan. He really has, doesn't have the the uh, touchdowns yet, and you know those are probably coming based on the quality of the offense. I'm a Jersey guy. Pacheco's a Rutgers guy. He runs with absolute reckless abandon. I love him as a player. Obviously, love his spot in Kansas City. The Chiefs have a pretty attractive playoff schedule, too, for fantasy, so I love Pacheco. I'm targeting Pacheco in trades. Um, I don't want to quite say I'm all in on him. I think that's a little a little aggressive, but I'm close to you. Yeah, I'm pretty close to all in on Isaiah Pacheco, and I think he's got a little bit more insulation in Dynasty. In redraft, he's a smash, he's a smash trade in, in redraft. You have the number two offensive skill position player in one of the league's better offenses. You also have the fact that he's got like a nice floor based on the receiving usage, which is wild. You bring yeah. up Rutgers Isaiah Pacheco. And he's always been like this violent runner who's yeah. explosive and very, very fast. But we didn't foresee this. And last year, I, I made a comment about how he had the big receiving game against Cincinnati in the AFC playoffs. And people are like, Theo, you moron. Patrick Mahomes was banged up in that game. You can't count the receiving work that Isaiah Pacheco received in an AFC playoff game. And I'm like, well, you kind of can. And now they're doing the same thing. He's getting targets every single game. So... I'm really into Pacheco. Um, I love kicking the tires on him to see if you can pick him up in a trade. I picked him up in a dynasty league the other day. I don't think the market's kind of where it's at in terms of production and just realizing he's a second year back. The only negative thing you can say on Pacheco is draft capital. And at the end of the day, Andy Reid seems to really, really like him. So I'm on him as well. What are your thoughts on Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray is a guy that we've been really, really high on here at First Class Fantasy, and we're a little bit surprised that he's back so quickly. If you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said it was more likely that he doesn't play a game at all this season than for him to show up before Week 10, but we are here. Now, we'll let's clarify full participant at practice. He was, only, uh, he was not getting first-team offense work, so he's working with some practice squad guys, throwing to those, those secondary pass catchers, so I don't anticipate seeing him this week, but it's coming soon. What impact will he have on the Arizona offense? Hollywood Brown, Michael Wilson, where are you at on this one? Oh, multi-layered question here, Theo. First, Ian Miller and I are both in Dynasty. We're both Kyler Murray guys all summer. You know, I think we're above consensus on him too. Uh, I think for this season, we got to, we gotta, you know, have some measured expectations for his mobility coming off the leg injury. You got to also think they're they're going to try to protect him a bit in that in that kind of sense too. So, love Kyler Murray as a passer. I think for Hollywood Brown specifically, just about every week Hollywood Brown gets two or three steps on a guy deep, and Josh Dobbs throws him throws the ball out of bounds. Kyler Murray probably gets some of those. So, 
obviously lifts the offense, lifts the whole organization. They're a dangerous team with Kyler Murray. And, you know, we I we mentioned this in our waiver show on Tuesday with Josh. Kyler Murray is the guy where if you're streaming quarterbacks, I want to take him and keep him as my baseline where I play streamers as, as on specific matchups going forward. And he can be the bailout for Daniel yep. Jones managers and, sure and you know, guys who took a bunch of these guys. So, like, Kyler Murray has never finished below quarterback 11 uh, in his career. Last year was like a year where nobody's like, oh, my gosh, Kyler Murray played so well. And he still was quarterback seven in points per game. So I'm I'm big on Kyler Murray. I think that there's a lot of teams out there in redraft. If they have Kyler Murray, they might have another quarterback. So you might have a trade opportunity. I'm going out and trying to get some Kyler Murray in any single format just to see if people are a little nervous about it. And I, I, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, you know, the Josh Dobbs thing because Josh Dobbs has had multiple games of over 40 yards rushing. So it seems like the offense that, that Drew Petzing has been using has been an offense catered for Kyler Murray. Um, so I'm actually really excited about this. And Hollywood Brown last year before DeAndre Hopkins came back was giving us like top six wide receiver production for like over a month of the season. So yeah. I'm excited about this. I think you that Hollywood Brown would be a guy that I would be looking at to try to acquire that I think could be even better in the second half of the season. Why don't we focus on the second half of the season, Ryan? You know, you watch a lot of tape. Who are a couple guys or just one guy or a few that you think could end up really helping us in the second half of the year that you see their trajectory sort of pointing up. We just mentioned Pacheco and Hollywood Brown. Those are two guys that I'm big on. Uh, I think Jalen Hyatt's a sneaky guy because he's in a position where the Giants don't really have a, a top wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination. Darren Waller is really their top receiver. So I think he's a guy who could take, take on some role expansion as the season goes on, maybe get you a spike week or two late in the year. Um, I know one matchup in particular in Week 17 is Rams versus Giants. That game has a little bit of sneaky shootout potential because both secondaries are a little weak. So I like Hyatt as a, as a dart throw. And then for quarterbacks, I'm going to go the other way on this. One thing that you just want to pay attention to is look at the Miami Dolphins' schedule in the playoffs. I don't think you should trade Tua right now, but they could be in. They're in some. They play some good defenses, and at this point, the Dolphins' defense is crushed, crushed below average opponents. But they've kind of had middling outings against real defenses. So if that trend continues, week 11 is the, the, the game that I think you can trade them. Because they play the Raiders, they probably smoke the Raiders. And then that's the time to make that decision. Big buzzkill comment right there, Ryan. You know, to, to try to put some cold water on my Mike McDaniel offense, especially when they're getting my, my boy A-Chain <laughs> back. Don't do it, Ryan. Don't do it. Let's take one, a couple more questions here. Uh, Ignacio Montoya, Tyler Algier, or Deonta Foreman. Zero point PPR. So this is a standard uh, question. I got to go Foreman here. Easy. I mean, here's the thing, Theo. Arthur Smith's the reason we're even having this conversation. You He's know, it must be stopped. I'm, I'm going Foreman too, but I do think it's more of a question than it should be. It's Foreman. Arthur Smith, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, shout out to the notorious JR. This is our, our new producer here at first class fantasy you're going to see him in the chat often um let's let's uh make another another uh one or two teams and then we got to kind of get you out of here one situation that's very tilting right now is devonta smith 
right now, AJ Brown is playing as well as anyone in fantasy. He could be the league winner. He's wide receiver three overall. If you take away those first two weeks of the season, he's wide receiver one overall. Devonta Smith is wide receiver 29 overall. Last year, when the season ended, AJ Brown, wide receiver six, Devonta Smith, wide receiver nine. So they were very close last year. Devonta Smith was the guy that was going in the second round, early, early third, if you were lucky. Um, and right now you're seeing a huge disparity in the usage. Is, is this going to even out or is this kind of the new normal with the offensive coordinator change? Let me give you a big answer here, Theo. Joe Banner used to run the Eagles. He hired Howie Roseman. And something that he says that the Eagles do strategically is they throw early to run late. One positive for everyone that's involved with the Eagles passing game is their schedule stretch to the rest of the year. Take a look at it when you get a chance is absolutely brutal. They're going to be in some neutral game scripts. They might even be in some negative game scripts. So I think the passing volume is going to go up. That said, AJ Brown right now looks like Terrell Owens. If Terrell Owens made le was less dramatic, you know, that's what's going on right now. I don't think it really evens out. I think Brown is what he is at this point, but I do think Smith's going to have a few spike games going forward. So I'd say he probably finishes still below expectations, but closer to a, like a solid wide receiver too long-term. Devonta Smith or Zay Flowers? I would still stick with Devonta Smith, but that's a, that's a very real decision. Devonta Smith or Jordan Addison? How long is Justin Jefferson going to be out is the question there. So I think I'm going to lean Smith. Okay, I'll give you one more because this is a trade that I think people could get done. Yeah. Devonta Smith for Michael Pittman. Mm. I'm going Pittman. Uh, I'm going to go Pittman too, actually, and I would have never thought that two months ago. Yeah, and that's that's crazy to me that we're talking about a guy, Michael Pittman, that falls to yeah. round eight. Um, and then you're talking about Devonta Smith, a second round pick. And at the end of the day, I'm, if somebody sends me that trade offer, I'm accepting it. Um, I think it's, it's not even close at this point. Um, do you have time for a couple more of these questions in the chat, Ryan? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Tyler Lockett or Calvin Ridley? Ugh. I'm going to go Lockett just cause he's been more consistent, but I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good about either one of these i'm actually no. gonna go calvin ridley because every you. time we want to bury calvin ridley he yeah. catches a touchdown yeah. incredibly disappointing last week and a game was in prime time now he's going to be on everybody's benches and yeah. he's going to catch a touchdown pass um so it, it i mean ridley's it's not what we wanted but he's not like completely dead i don't think let's go nico collins or chris alave chris alave gonna, for me yeah yeah chris alave for me too and your thoughts on, on Olave? Um, I think one thing we're looking at here is, you know, two things. One last week, I think people gave Derek Carr too hard of a time for being conservative. They were down both of their offensive tackles. The Jaguars have two guys that were taken in the top 10 that play edge, that are edge rushers, dynamic athletes. So I think that's one of the reasons there. It's also been playing through a shoulder injury. So I think some regression, especially on touchdowns, is coming for the Saints passing attack. And Olave's, you know, from a production standpoint, just like, you know, targets, yards, receptions, he's been fine. The Saints have a very attractive schedule. Like their yep. next three games, it's about as good as it gets. Um, and you have Derek Carr, who's passed for 300 yards in back-to-back -back games. So I think the Saints offense, despite the loss to Jacksonville, is going to be fantasy-friendly the next few weeks. Um, let's do, okay, here we have another, a lot of Tyler Algier questions this week. Shout out to Anthony in the chat. Tyler Algier or Kenny Gainwell? This is an ugly one, Anthony. Yeah. 
you got a, you got some one. problems this week, my man. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm gonna go Algier for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. You know that that's a that's a tough one. Anthony definitely a friend of the show. Um. Here we go. This one is looks pretty easy for me. But your thoughts on Brees Hall versus the New York Giants? Pretty tough game. It could be very low scoring. Or Jameer Gibbs, and this is assuming no David Montgomery, versus Las Vegas this week. And this is a full PPR. And Jameer Gibbs last week had sort of a dream Jameer. Well, not a dream, but like when you drafted Jameer Gibbs, this is the kind of usage you were thinking you were going to get at times. 20 touches, 9 catches, runs for a touchdown, looks every bit of like the next kind of like Kamara, Eckler, McCaffrey type usage. First, Brees Hall, who, you know, I'm calling the league winner. So I, I got to stick to my guns. It's Brees Hall no matter what, um, if this is head-to-head. And that's a champagne problem to be able to choose between these two on your on your team. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go Brees Hall too because, you know, like like you said about last week, the, the Lions were in a negative gain script like in the first quarter essentially. So a dream spot for Jameer Gibbs where I think they're going to throttle the Raiders. So I think that those, you know, I don't think 10 targets are coming this week for Jameer Gibbs. There you go. But let's uh, take this one. This was a fun one. Cincinnati Bengals question. Jack Riley, who seems to be some sort of a stacker the way he builds his teams, because his flex question is Joe Mixon or T. Higgins in the flex. And this is point, I believe this is 0.5 PPR. So Joe Mixon volume, T. Higgins has been extremely disappointing. He has the one really big game against Baltimore. Uh, your thoughts on this one? I think this one depends on matchup against your fantasy opponent this week. If you think it's going to be close and you have an edge, I play Mixon because he's safer. But if I'm playing from behind, if you can get the 49ers in one area, it's on their perimeter with with you know athletic athletic wide receivers like the Bengals have. So I think Higgins has an interesting ceiling. And as long as the Bengals offensive line can hold up a little bit against the 49ers pass rush, I think Joe Burrow can do some damage this week. Here's a fun one. And I actually talked about this on my waiver wire show because I had both of these guys as strong ads. They were both available in a ton of Yahoo leagues, but Michael Mayer or Trey McBride second round pick this past draft second round pick in the year before McBride now has a big opportunity. He's, uh, you know, outproduced Zach Ertz back-to-back weeks. Now Zach Ertz is sent to the IR Mayer. We talked about has had the five catches for 75 yards uh, two weeks ago, now potential quarterback issues. I'm going to go Trey McBride here based on the usage and the fact that I think that this Arizona Cardinals offense is trending up with Kyler Murray. Where would you be on this one? Mayer has the better matchup. The Lions actually struggle against tight ends a little bit, but you know McBride's usage, playing from behind against the Ravens defense, it's real stingy. And you know a tight end can be a bad quarterback's best friend, so I'm going to go McBride too. Yeah, you got. I mean. I'm excited for for my McBride shares, and it's been a guy that's been like, you know, we I drafted him a bunch of dynasty places, completely invisible as a rookie. Then old man Zach Ertz on like multiple injuries, 33-year-old Zach Ertz like completely relegates him. Now it's like the comeback season. So the, the lesson learned is in dynasty, Ryan, never ever take an L. You just have to wait. <laughs> Let's take this one. This is uh, Dylan Gibson, DeAndre Hopkins versus Atlanta. Or an absolute disrespect from Dylan to refer to Tank <laughs> Dell as Lil Tank. Calls him Lil Tank versus Carolina. So where are you at on this one? DeAndre Hopkins versus the Atlanta Falcons. 
Tank Dell, not little Tank Dell, versus the Carolina Panthers. Backup quarterbacks like Will Levis tend to get tunnel vision on wide receiver ones. DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver one. And I'm going to stick with the vol- the expected volume in that scenario. Tunnel vision is the operative word there. You got to go D-hops this week. Also, you could see DeAndre Hopkins, like all of these Titans could get moved at the trade deadline. Yeah. So maybe a few extra targets go to DeAndre Hopkins. I actually have a theory that if you see a very minimal usage Derrick Henry week, then he's getting traded. They don't want to ruin the trade with like potentially him getting banged up. So if you see a Spears Henry split, then I think he's getting moved. Where do you put any legs to the Derrick Henry getting traded um, rumors out there, Ryan? Or do you think it doesn't happen? I mean, they should they should have a fire sale. I mean, when once you trade Bayard, your secondary is already terrible. You you trade your best player in your secondary. It's a bit of a white flag on the season. I'd trade Henry. I'd trade Hopkins if I could. Absolutely. How good would Derrick Henry be if he goes to the Baltimore Ravens, which is the rumored destination? I mean, that is exciting. Put him right yeah. next to Lamar Jackson. I mean, we haven't really seen – we've seen him next to a Ryan Tannehill-type scrambler, but not next to a guy who can just rip off a 50-yarder like Lamar Jackson. How would you look at Derrick the rest of the season? A significant bump up or about the same based on potentially less volume? No, I'd say definitely a bump up because, you know, Lamar Jackson's like having an extra player in offense, especially when you're trying to stop the run and a guy like Henry paired next to him on zone reads and stuff like that. It's just, I want to see it as a football fan. And, you know, plus the Ravens have a top 10 offensive line. So definitely a bump up for me. That said, the big dog is not quite what he used to be. No, he's definitely not. But I do think, um, you know, short term and actually potentially like a dynasty, I think this could be a bump up. I mean, you think about, they're obviously very different. But you think about that season that Mark Ingram had uh, next to Lamar Jackson, like Lamar yeah. does some things. Uh, and just that offense seems to be kind of trending up. It's like the Pittsburgh game kind of woke them up. Yeah. Shout out to Joanna Jackson in the chat. Jacoby Myers or Sam Laporta. And this is 1.5 point tight end premium. I'm going Laporta, the greatest tight end we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And in 1.5 point PPR, I can never ever bench Sam Laporta. Where you at, Ryan? Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go to Laporta. Plus, like, I think Detroit's going to slaughter the Raiders. So if they score four or five offensive touchdowns, I-, I want shares this week. So, Ryan, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work? Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the the gambling content as well as the fantasy. Uh, you can find me at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh on Monday, I write a survivor pool preview. We finalize later in the week when injury reports are in the books. On Tuesday, Josh Lark and I have a waiver wire show. We do a game preview show on Mondays. My big piece is expert picks that comes out on Thursday mornings. I write a paragraph or two, you know, summing up every game, what each team needs to win with a score prediction. Then I finalize plays and winner pools. Um, survivor again. AT- any ATS leans I have later in the week in my betting previews. No, it's very cool. I mean, Ryan, you're you're as sharp as it gets. Um, and all of Ryan's work at the 33rd team is available for free. Josh Larkey's work is available for free. Highly recommend those guys, both big friends of the show and of Player Profiler. We're going to continue our series with the 33rd team. Definitely go out and check out. You can wait and see it right here on Player Profiler YouTube. It'll be up probably tomorrow. But we're going to be loading in these shows that streamed on 33rd team. It was Josh, Ryan, and I 
discussing all first and second year quarterbacks. Uh, you're going to see the podfather, Matt Kelly, uh, on 33rd team soon. I believe Matt is discussing running backs. Uh, and then you're going to see two more of those over at the 33rd team. And then here, right here on Player Profiler, you saw Ryan here today. This show was fire. The chat was lit. And then you're going to see Josh Larkey coming on the game plan this Saturday um, with Matty Kiwoom. The game plan should be on around, give or take, around 11 or 12 noon on Saturday East Coast time. Um, so definitely check those out. We're going to be doing this for a month. And then we have a very, very cool finale, um, which we're going to do. And we have a pretty cool announcements for that one. Um, that'll be sometime uh, in November. So look for a lot more of these 33rd team and player profiler crossover episodes throughout the next month. Um, Ryan, you crushed it today. Everybody in the chat, you guys were great. Uh, everybody have a fantastic uh, rest of your day. And let's get some wins this week. Stick with us here at Player Profiler. I have Andrew Erickson of uh, Fantasy of Fantasy Pros coming on press coverage tomorrow. So if you enjoyed this time of day, it's going to be a little bit earlier in the morning. That should be right around 11 a.m. Friday, East Coast time. Andrew Erickson. You saw Andrew Erickson on First Class Fantasy this summer. He was great. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And everybody, let's just crush it. It's week eight. Time to win some money. Time to win some championships. Let's go. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.